Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Markers. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, we did not steal these signs behind us. So if you go down around Bel Air, there's a few signs or, or uh, street lights that are, or stop lights that are missing. It's not because of us. So just want to let you know. Well, I wanted to share today uh, a couple of stories with you. In May 2009, I came to a crossroads in my life where I had a personal decision that I had to make. It was a life-changing decision. See, for the prior uh, several years, my wife and myself, we had been working on staff in some various different churches. And we got to a place where we were a little burnt out, a little, uh, um, uh, a little tired. And a job opportunity came up for me where I could go and work for an organization a Christian organization outside the church that helped kids in, uh, in places like India and Africa. Uh, it was a great opportunity, something that I was very passionate about, um, and the, the, the pay was so much better than uh, being a pastor at a church, um, and uh, there was a whole lot less stress as well. So the, the opportunity was very appealing to me, and I really wanted to, to go for it. And one Friday afternoon in May 2009, I just got off the phone with the hiring manager and uh, we had left it that that weekend I was going to go away and really just try to get guidance from God and just pray and just to see if this was the direction that God was leading my life in. So I went home that night on that Friday night and we, we had dinner um, and we sat around the dinner table. We ate dinner and then we start and then after dinner we washed up because I'm a good husband. So, you know, I wash up. And so as we're washing up, we're in our kitchen and I'm starting to, talking to my wife and we're talking about this opportunity and we're talking about how just financially it will make us into a much better, take us into a much better place, uh, uh, a lot less stress, and we were both excited about it. And as we started talking, our conversation kind of digressed just to the state of the church in our culture. And we started talking just about just different ones, different friends that we had known who were once in church, were no longer in church. Once who lived the life, they followed God and they were no longer following God. Others, uh, good friends of ours who were getting a divorce and their, their, their marriages were crumbling. And we started talking about this and we started talking about how our generation is really losing hope. This was back in 2009, and, and, and one of the things that we had seen was it was really a lot of churches, they had young people, they had uh, kids and youth, and then they had middle age, some middle-aged and elderly people, but the glaring thing was is where were the college graduates, where were the people in their late 20s, in their 30s, and early 40s? And we were looking and we, 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 suddenly we realized that there was a generation of people who were losing hope. And as we had this conversation, it was one of the most profound conversations I've ever had in my life. And it's like God came into that kitchen. And it's like, as we were talking, we just felt God was speaking to us. And that was really the first time I discovered in my life that you just don't have to pray to God for God to speak. That when you have a conversation with other Christians about God, God shows up in the middle and God speaks. And so we felt that God was in the midst of this conversation. And I turned to my wife, Raquel, and I said, uh, I'm going to go into my office for about an hour. I'm just going to go and pray and just go and seek God's guidance to see if this is something that God wants us to do or not. And as I went into my little office in the condo that we had at the time, 
I opened my Bible, and as I opened my Bible, it fell to Psalm 92. And as I started reading Psalm 92, this English guy who we're not supposed to show emotion because we're English, tears started rolling down my eyes because this is what I read. In Psalm 92, Psalm verse 12, it said, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare that the Lord is just. He is my rock and there is no evil in him. As I read that, I really felt God just speak to me in that moment. And this is what I felt God say, Alex, you are like the palm trees and the cedars. And he said, your place is in the house of God. And I know when I heard that, I I immediately knew what God was meaning. It was the church. My place was in the local church. And I felt God said that that is where you are. And it's in that place in the local church that you will flourish. And even when you're an old timer and you're an old guy and no one thinks you're cool anymore, they will still, you will still produce fruits for you will remain vital and green. And with tears down my eyes, I realized that God was saying to me not to take that opportunity, but instead that you were to stay in the church. In fact, in that moment, I felt God say that there is a generation of people who are losing hope and I want you to be part of a group of people who are going to help change that generation and bring hope and rescue them and bring hope to them. I came out of that little office and I realized that I was going to have to turn down that job opportunity. There was another guy, there was a guy in, in the Bible, his name is Moses. Moses had grown up in Egypt, and for 40 years he had lived all his life in Egypt, and then he committed a crime. And he was so fearful of what was going to happen that he fled. And so he decided to leave Egypt, all that he knew, and he went out into the sticks, out into the wilderness. It's like you leaving Bel Air going up to Whiteford or something like that, you know? If you're from Whiteford, I'm sorry. So, but... He went out into the sticks so no one can see him. And then for the next 40 years, he works for his father-in-law tending sheep. See, God had a plan for Moses. He had a purpose for Moses, but Moses was not living in the purposes of God at that time. See, Moses, he was breathing, but he wasn't living. He was moving, but he wasn't walking in purpose. And one average day, this ordinary life that Moses lived came face to face with an extraordinary God. For he was tending his sheep and he saw in the distance that there was this bush and it was on fire. Not uncommon in the desert. But what he noticed that the bush was not being consumed by the fire. So Moses walked over to the bush, and as he got close, suddenly a voice came out of the bush, and he said, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place that you are standing is holy ground. And through that moment, God started to speak to Moses, and he started to tell Moses of the plan that God had for the people of Israel. For the people of Israel were in Egypt, and they were slaves in Egypt. And God's plan was to to deliver them from slavery, take them out of Egypt into a place that God called 
the promised land. And as God was sharing this, he said to Moses, and Moses, you are the guy who's going to do it. At that moment, Moses bolted. Moses just felt too small, too insignificant. Uh, the past that Moses had, that he'd been through, just weighed down on him. Moses felt too uh, uh, unskilled, too uneducated, and too ill-equipped. He didn't feel equipped enough. But it's in this moment we discover that God does not call the equipped, but instead God equips the called. And Moses decided to say yes to God. So what happened? Moses then went down to Egypt and he went to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he went face to face with him. He said, God is saying, let my people go, that the people are to leave Egypt and go into the promised land. And Pharaoh said, no, they are not leaving. And so after a lot of different conversations and some incredible miracles by God and then some nasty plagues that came upon the Egyptians, the Pharaoh finally had had enough and he said, Moses, you and your people just get out of here. And in that moment, Moses led the people out of slavery, out of bondage, and they went on a journey towards the promised land that God had promised them. After that moment in 2009, when we realized, Raquel and myself, that God was calling us to be in the church, we decided to go to our own Egypt. You see, for the last several years, we'd worked in the church, and we'd been part of this church bubble. See, everything that we did was to do with church. We had forgotten how real people live and what real lives are. So I went, we went on what I call real jobs. We went out and we got jobs in the marketplace. And suddenly we started seeing the generation for what it really was. We started seeing how many marriages were breaking up. We were seeing that there were, there were kids who no longer wanted to go to church and be in church. There, there were plenty of people who had given up on church, but they still believed in God. And then there was others who still went to church, but they'd given up on God. And as we started seeing that there were people who were searching, but they were searching in all the wrong places, suddenly we realized that we were too small. We realized we were too insignificant. We realized that we were not educated enough, not skilled enough, and not equipped enough to do what God had called us to do. But when God says go, the best answer is to say yes. And so we decided in our naive, 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 being naive that we would say yes. And so with the help of six friends, and four of them are still part of Generation Church, Brandon and Zoe Riley and Jeremy and Laura Latham, and I'm forever indebted to their friendship and their help, and, and as a church we are to their sacrifice. But we helped, or we started this thing called Generation Church with the hope that we would make the bride of Christ beautiful again to this generation. And the bride of Christ is translated as the church of Jesus Christ. See, for Moses and the people of Egypt, their plan was to go out of Egypt, uh, the people of Israel, their, the plan was to go out of Egypt directly to the promised land. It was called the land that flowed with milk and honey. Who wants to go to a land that's filled with milk and honey? Unless you're lacto intolerant, then you don't want to go to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I want to go to Candyland instead. But anyway, 
They went to a land that was called the land that was flowing with milk and honey. It was a land or a place of tranquility, of serenity. It was a place of peace, a place of rest. It was a safe place for them. It was a place of potential, a place of multiplication. It was a place where they could live life, not just breathe going through life, but they could live life to the full. But they discovered this, that there is often a gap between when God speaks And God delivers on his promises. See, in between Egypt and the promised land, there is something called the wilderness. See, the wilderness is a place of hardship. It is a desert place. It is a place where often we doubt. It is a place where we have to trust God like we've never trusted God before. And some people don't even make it out of the desert. But for the people of Israel... If they had known they were going to spend 40 years, and that's how long they spent in the desert. If they had known they were going to spend 40 years in the desert, they would have never gone in the first place. But the the desert or the wilderness was a place of preparation and purpose for them. And without that, they would have never been able to survive in the promised land because the people who left Egypt were not ready for the promised land. The blessings of God would have just swallowed them up. So God had to prepare them for 40 years. And on September 19th, 2010, we held our first ever public service, and we called ourselves Generation Church. Generation Church was born, and we believed that God had big plans for Generation Church. See, we had heard from God, and we had heard that God had this vision for this church, and we were going to be a light to our community, a light to hundreds of thousands of people in our community. We, we, we heard God say that we would plant churches, that our worship would be so electrifying and soul changing that people would come in and just experience God just in worship. We had heard God say that we were going to send teams of people out to our community so that they could reach out and be light to our community. We had heard God speak and God had big plans for this church, but yet what we discovered was something very similar to Moses, that in between the moment God speaks and the moment God delivers on his promise, we go through the wilderness. And we found out that life starting a church is really hard. In fact, at times it was too hard. I didn't think we would make it. I thought there were times it's just going to break us, that we're never going to be able to do what God had called us to do, for God had called us to be a light to our community, to tell our community that there is a God who loves them, a God who cares, that Jesus saves, that Jesus forgives, that there is a place they can call home. It's a safe place. It's a place to belong. And I'll be honest, these last five years, There's been times it's been a struggle. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a struggle at times. It's been a grind. And we've discovered that, that, that you have to sometimes go through these moments where you are even doubting God. But what we've discovered is that even if you are in the wilderness, it is possible to survive and even thrive. 
And we've discovered that here at Generation Church. See, for the people of Israel, they spent 40 years in the wilderness and it was for a purpose. And for the last five years, I believe that we've been uh, existing as a church for a purpose. And we've been through some wilderness experiences for a purpose. And the people of Israel, after 40 years, they got to the place where they were about to walk into their destiny. But the problem was something major happened. And it's found in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. And God speaks to Joshua. Joshua was Moses' assistant. He was second in command of all the people of Israel. And this is what God said to Joshua. It said, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. So we hear at the start of the book of Moses, there is this big deal that happens. God comes and makes this statement to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. What this means is that the one who has led Israel for all these years, he is gone. The one who had the vision from God is gone. And they are distraught. It's a somber moment. But in this moment, God says this. says, Joshua, you now are the guy who's going to take the people into the promised land. And what we discover here is that the vision was not Moses' vision. It was God's vision. And if God has a vision and God gives a promise, God will see it through. And let me just tell you this morning, here at Generation Church, God has a vision for Generation Church. It's the same vision that I believe God gave in May 2009. It's still the same vision that we started uh, excitedly about in 2010. And that vision is not Alex Pendix. That vision is God's. And the vision for Generation Church still lives today, five years on. And this is what God says to Joshua. He says, Joshua, I've given you a mandate. Go lead the people. See, the people were on the edge of destiny. See, the promised land was just over a river. All they had to do was cross a river and they would be in the promised land. A land of promise, a land of potential. This was a new day for them. However, Joshua just spent 40 years in the wilderness trusting God, following Moses. And the news that Moses is dead is this big thing in front of them. They can't get away from it. Moses is dead. How many of you, when you're driving, you actually obey the road signs? Whoa, not many of you. When you're driving, I'm staying off the road. Hopefully you obey the road signs. You see the stop sign or the do not enter or the yield or the right turn or the speed limit signs. How many of you obey the speed limit signs? Like one person, the same person who obeys the road signs. You people are bad drivers. 
But we see these signs because these are the ones right in front of us. And what these signs mean, it means an action that we have to do an action, either slow down or we're to stop or we're to turn around and not go that way. And we see those and they are in our face and they are a sign of an action we must take. And this is exactly the same for the people of Israel. It was like Moses was dead was this stop sign. It's like suddenly everything came to a stop for them. But these signs, these road signs, aren't meant for you just to stop permanently. They are just temporary things along the journey. They don't stop you going on your journey. Now, how many of you, when you're on the highway, you notice these small little green signs like every mile that's on the side of the road? Like one, two, three. They're called mile marker signs. And I've had people before say, yeah, I'm stuck in traffic at mile marker 25. I'm like, I have no clue where that is. I mean, what does that even mean? But what it is, it shows the progress you are making as you go along the journey. And our focus so much is on these big signs, these temporary action signs, but we forget to look at the mile marker signs. But the mile marker signs are probably more important because they show us how far we have gone. And for the people of Israel, this moment that Moses was dead was not the defining moment. The fact was, if they looked at the mile marker signs, they would have realized that God has been faithful for the last 40 years. We have come so far with God's help. And if God has been faithful for the last 40 years, imagine how much faithful or how faithful God will be in the next 40 years. And Generation Church, I tell you today, We've been through the wilderness. We've been through those times when we thought, are we going to make it? And I'll be honest, there were times I didn't think we would make it. I didn't think I would make it. I didn't think some of our marriages would make it. I didn't think some of our friendships would make it. I didn't think our bank balance would ever make it. Uh, There were times when I didn't think our sanity would make it. And I didn't think even our faith would make it. But you know what? We've got to mile marker number five, and we are still here today. Still serving God, still working towards the vision that God has for us. And even though we've been through the wilderness, we've seen that God has been faithful. Tonight, we are going over to the arena club just to celebrate our five years. And it's, it's not just a, a party, even though it's, I like to party, you know, and celebrate. It's a celebration that God has been so faithful for the last five years. Did you know that out of all churches, when they start, only 68% make it to four years? make it to five years, and we're here. Out of all churches, only uh, 70% of churches never make it past 100 people who call the church home. But yet, over the last two years, we have a church, we've grown 150%. Over the last two years, just giving has grown 50% in a time when most churches are making cuts because giving has gone down. If you look at a lot of churches, you will see that there are the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, something's missing from that church. But yet, here at Generation Church, 60% of the people who call Generation Church at home are in that lost generation. I'm so thankful that I'm thankful for the young kids. I'm thankful for some of our older people as well, because we need a balance. But the fact is that we have a core of people who are in that lost generation. You know, when we moved into this building two years ago, 
There was a whole lot of work that needed to be done. You should see what had to be done. But yet when we moved in, God was so faithful that we paid cash for everything and we never went into debt. It's not saying how wonderful we are or how great we are. It just proves how faithful God has been. And God has been so faithful over the last five years. And if God has been faithful over the last five years, just imagine what God is going to do in the next five years. I can't wait for what God is going to do. And the Israelites, they were at this point where they were suddenly realizing the faithfulness of God. And then God said this to Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 6. He said, Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate them. Turn in either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of, of um, instruction continually. Meditate it on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be discouraged, for the Lord is with you wherever you may go. So Joshua has just been mandated. We're now leading the people into the vision that God has for them. And God was very specific in how he told Joshua to lead. But he said this, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be filled with courage for I am with you. And I stand before you today as your pastor and I want to say I am filled with courage. I'm filled with courage because I've seen the faithfulness of God over the last five years. And I know God has not forgotten about us. And the vision that God gave us is still the promises of God that God will fulfill. And I stand before you at this mile marker, number five, filled with courage because I believe that God has got great things for us. Tonight, we're going to baptize around about 10 people. Imagine next year if we baptize over 100 people. Just imagine that. This year, we decided to put $5,000 away to church planting so we could help start a new church. Just imagine over the next five to ten years if we can help start ten new churches. Just imagine that for a moment. In the five years of Generation Church, we've already put a well in India, in a town or a village in India. At the moment, we're raising money to put a well in Ethiopia. But just imagine over the next five, ten years, if we can dig a hundred wells. See, this is the stuff of the promised land. This is the stuff of the promises of God. Last week, we had a team of people who went from the first, after first service, they went over to an old people's home here in Bel Air, and they served in the old people's home. Just imagine in the next five years, if continue, we can send 10 teams of people on a Sunday out to serve in our community. Every year, we have two worship nights. 
that we have. We come and we just worship God together and, uh, and we sing and we pray together. But just imagine, instead of having two a year, what if we had a weekly service where we just came and worshiped God and we prayed uh, and the power uh, and the Spirit of God was so intense that people from all over, the, the people who needed healing or the sick and the diseased and the, uh, and the hurting and the lonely and the addicted uh, and those who have lost hope, those who have burnt out, come into this place because they realize that where the people of Generation Church are, there is God. And where God is, there is freedom, and there is liberty, and there is healing, and there is hope for today, and hope for tomorrow. What if in the next five years, the lonely, the broken, the hurting, the rejected, the outcasts, and the burnt out find life again? I love our kids' ministry. I think we have one of the best kids' ministry. The kids love it. But it's all very well having a a great kids' ministry. But what if in the next five years, those kids who were there being taught over at the house, they suddenly find that there is new life in Jesus Christ and their lives are turned upside down because of what God does for them. And they go into their schools and they are change agents in their schools. And they start telling their friends and their classmates about Jesus Christ. And and here in Bel Air and in Edgewood and in Abingdon and in Aberdeen and Harvard de Grace, and Forest Hill. Imagine those schools that are becoming more and more secular. They are flipped over because the people, the kids of Generation Church are just totally changing that place. And there are more people serving God and giving their lives to God than people who are rejecting God. What if we became the church that God envisioned for us to become? I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God is going to do because I believe God has got big things in store. And in the next few weeks, we're going to deal with how to cope in the promised land, how to, to walk in the promises of God. And God has promised some of you many things. And you are in the wilderness and you're not seeing those promises right now. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what we need to do to step into the promises of God. But for today... I want today to be about remembering how faithful God has been. For God has been faithful. And many of you in your life over the last five, ten years, God has been faithful. Some of you, your marriages should have failed, but God has been faithful. Some of you, you should have lost your house, but God has been faithful. Some of you, your kids should be nowhere near church, but they are because God has been faithful. Some of you should have lost hope, but you found hope because God has been faithful. And so today, I want to do something that is so ungeneration church-like. You guys, sometimes you're like the quietest people ever. It's like one person starts clapping and everyone's like, you know, and the clap whimpers out. But I want us to do something that's so on Generation Church like. I want us to thank God for the last five years. And also thank God for the next five years of what he is going to do. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And... For the next 10 seconds, I want you to raise the roof off this place. I want you to clap as loud as you can clap, holler as loud as you can holler, whistle as loud as you can whistle, 
Shout as loud as you shout. Thank God as loud as you can thank God. See, you know, you can go over to the Ravens game and you can shout and you can lose your voice. But we've got something so much more to be thankful for because we've seen a God who has been faithful and who will be faithful. And so if you're new here, this is not the norm. We're not, we're not some crazy church. But I just believe this morning we need to be thankful for what God has done. Let me just tell you, first service, they blew the roof off this place. And so you guys better be better than first service, right? They're, they were like still drinking coffee, trying to wake up, and they still blew the roof off this place. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to count to three. On the count of three, we're going to clap, and we're going to holler, and we're going to thank God for the faithfulness of God. So let's You guys are good. Yay. Felt good, right? After like listening to me drone on for 30 minutes, it's like, let it all out. Why don't you quickly take your seats? You know, today is a day of celebration for us because God has been so faithful. But I believe that we are on the verge of destiny. I believe that the river is just in front of us. And next week we'll talk about it. But the river is just in front of us. And if we can just cross that river, then God has got some great things for us. But I believe some of you, you've been praying for some things for a long time. You've been in the wilderness for a long time. But I believe that some of you, you are on the verge of your destiny. You are on the verge of your river. And just over the river, there is a promised land. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in some of your guys' lives. Because I believe some of you, you've been struggling for a while. But God is going to bring a new day for you. Some of you, you've been doubting for a while. But God is going to just show you his faithfulness and his love. Uh, Some of you, you've been doubting. uh, And you've been wondering and questioning. But God is going to take you to a new day. Some of you, you've been looking for that new job or you've been suffering financially. I believe that God, for some of you, he's going to take you over that river and he's going to take you into the promises that he has for you. Don't give up because a new day is upon us. So in a moment, we're just going to close this service by singing one more song. And it's going to be a song of celebration. You know why? Because we've been through the wilderness. We've come out of Egypt. We're on the verge of the promised land. And we weren't just designed to survive, but we were designed to thrive. And I believe that some of us, we're going to start seeing our lives thriving. Thriving in every way that we go, places that we go. I believe that this church is on the verge of thriving like never before. And so we're going to worship and we're going to, we're going to praise and celebrate God for what God is going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come back. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet.